Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Ken M here in the studio, along with the co-host. You know him. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have a lot to recap on this sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely have to keep that conversation going after the show. So, Pat, where does everybody head to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the website. Check out the social media links. Everything's been updated. We got the nice graphics up there for threads and blue sky and all that jazz. So we definitely want to be talking to you on your favorite social media platform about the topics we do on the show. That's how we keep that conversation going with the ODPH Society. Also, make sure to check out the T Public Store link, the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and you have a bonus episode every month dropped on you, which we don't guarantee necessarily, but we like to do it for you. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting the show. This month, you get the official preview for UFC 298. Ooh. And a little more information, too, so you definitely want to check that out. If you're not signed up already, it's a quick, simple click. Boom, done. Also, check out the blog section where we have a lot of reviews dropping on many, many pop culture topics. We also have the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FM Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative. A lot of stuff happening there. Among many more, the directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? 487,414. Sounds about right to me. That is why he is a statistician to the stars. Also, make sure to check out the music section where you can hear the bands that you hear on every ODPH episode, like Brian Wolf and the Howlers, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Shout at the Robots, Floodlands, and many more. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you're using hashtags, why not use the hashtag ODPHpod? Kicking off this edition of the sports show, we have to recap the game that a few people watched. Uh, Yeah, one or two. Uh, Reading from an article on Variety.com, we are, of course, talking about the Super Bowl. And according to the folks over at Nielsen, uh, the Super Bowl was watched by 123.7 million viewers, which would make it the most watched television event thing in the United States since the moon landing took place in 1969. That's insane. That's what I said. But we have to think about it in this perspective. And I'm going to take the Taylor Swift factor out of it just for right now. Mm -hmm. The Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in North America every year. It's possibly the world. Yep. This is the time of year where you see every other sports organization shut down. Yeah. And they're not running against it for good reason. We had that conversation while we were watching the game. Is like we were wondering just kind of offhandedly in between plays like oh i wonder if anyone's dumb enough to run and we didn't go through every single federation but we went through you know nba nhl college and the ones we could see without digging into every single possible team nobody else was playing Mm -hmm. because they know that they can't compete with the super bowl for ratings it is what it is the nfl knows what they have here this is now it should be a national holiday it has not been made one yet no I, there is an argument, and I've seen some people make the argument for putting it on uh, Saturday or switching it with the NBA All-Star game. 
Well, you could switching do, dates. You could do a lot of things, or just give the Monday off after. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of businesses that profit from this game. This is true, especially in the food industry. Oh, shout yeah. out to anybody that's working at a pizza or a sub place. Yeah, this past weekend because you, you definitely the, earned your money. You the real MVP, absolutely. But we have to talk about the game that was. We had two weeks of hype to prepare for this. In one corner, representing the AFC. It is the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. The defending Super Bowl champions struggled to get there, but they finally got there. And you can say it was luck. You can say it was you know, a little bit of magic, maybe a little bit of magic, a little bit of uh, Swifty power, if you will. <laughs> because obviously with the presence of Taylor Swift in Allegiant Stadium, they came ready to play. Swifties can do a lot. This is very true. Scientifically proven. And especially, too, I will say this. Shout out to Taylor Swift as well. Yeah. Because she has been a fan at these games. Yes. She was chugging her beer yes. at the game. Holy hell. Like, she's getting invested in this in what is going on in the field. So I, I would say it's she, not. Uh, yeah, she definitely seemed invested. She definitely seemed intrigued. She didn't do like, and I'm not throwing shade at the guy, but I'm just using him as an example. Mm. He, she didn't do the Leonardo DiCaprio, who, like, was put on the Jumbotron at the stadium, and there was, like, a solid 30, almost 45 seconds before he even acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. No, she definitely understands what goes on at these games. She's now become a very big figure at football games when she shows up. Yes. And she's going to bring a contingent of fans to watch the game. And I will say for record, they did time it out. She was only on screen the entire duration of the game for 58 seconds. Yep. Well, and i got to say, she brings a lot of fans. Can I, I can't tell you, just when I was out getting ready for the game on Sunday, how many shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies I saw around town of people wearing them. And it was the the NFL shield. And it was supposed to be the logo, but instead of saying NFL in it, it said Taylor's version. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell this came from, but to whoever came up with this idea. Brilliant. Kudos to you. Brilliant. Because you have got to be making a few bucks. Mm-hmm. So that is one team that showed up. On the other side, representing the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers, mm-hmm. led by Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy. Yes. Christian McCaffrey, the unofficial MVP of the league, and a defense that had put fear in the hearts of many of their opponents throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So this had been a matchup that we had all been waiting to see. It was a rematch from Super Bowl 2020. Yes. To be honest with you, to yeah. you know give you that time frame. So this these two teams have faced each other before. Obviously, different members are a part of the teams yeah, now. Yeah, a little, little different. But we know how that game went. But once it was all said and done, there's a lot to break down with this game. So, Pad, let's get into it. So, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers to become Super Bowl champs by the final score of 25-22 to in overtime. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 34-46 for 333 yards passing, two touchdowns, just one interception. Brock Purdy, 23-38 of 38 for 255 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Also, Jawan Jennings, 1-for-1, uh, one one, 21 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, uh, becoming the first wide receiver to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl since uh, Antoine Randall with the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers way back when. Uh, Christian McCaffrey led San Francisco in rushing because, of course, he did. Yeah, uh, 22 carries, 80 yards, no touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes led Kansas City in rushing, going nine carries, 66 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco right behind him, though, with 18 carries, 59 yards, no touchdowns. 
Uh, Travis Kelsey led the way for Kansas City in receiving because, duh, uh, getting nine catches, 93 yards, uh, no touchdowns. McCole Hardman, three catches, 57 yards, one touchdown in uh, the most crucial one of the entire game. Uh, and then for San Francisco, it was Christian McCaffrey, uh, eight catches, 80 yards, and one touchdown. Also of note, Brandon Ayuk had three catches, 49 yards, and no touchdowns. Uh, and Debo Samuel had uh, three catches, 33 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, this game can be very easily summarized as two halves for two teams. Mm-hmm. The first half was all San Francisco. Yeah. They imposed their will. They had them on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes looked very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And Fred Warner and company were playing lights out in that first half. It was absolute lot. I don't even think they made it super far past midfield. No. They did not. And the only thing that really put a, a real negative feel on this game was when Dre Greenlaw uh, apparently took uh, hurt himself out of the game with an Achilles injury. Yeah, it was right when he was getting ready to go back in the game. If you watch the highlights, I'm sure you'll see it, where mm-hmm. he was getting ready to go back in the game. He's you know jumping up and down, psyching himself up a little bit, and hops twice and then doesn't even make it far out on the field. I think he takes like maybe one, two steps at most Mm -hmm. and you can just see the the Achilles pop and he drops immediately. And then we didn't see it live because it was in commercial break, but we come out of, we came out of commercial break and they were showing it at at, at once. The fact we were watching, it was you, myself, uh, my fiance, Liz Bailey, Rich from three FN was here. Dog was here, but I think all of us collectively, once we saw, the injury and saw him go down. We're like, oh, maybe there's, you know, we're like, oh shit. Yeah, no, that was a big loss for the 49ers defense because Fred Warner had been doing a solid job taking care of Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey did nothing in the first half. Kelsey had one catch for one yard. The only thing notable about Kelsey in the first half is when he bumped Andy Reid. Oh, the meltdown. Losing his mind. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, that's on Kelsey. Uh huh. And if that was any other team, in my opinion, he would have been benched. Yeah, Tomlin would have benched him. Belichick would have benched him. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Bill Parcells would have benched him. Like, you can run through the list of current head coach and former head coaches. There's a lot that would have benched him. And I think the only reason Reed was caught by surprise was he had his headset on. And I, I imagine, and I can't say this, and I'm Lord knows, given the circumstances and given the NFL's love affair with the Chiefs, we'll never find out. But I'm willing to bet that in that moment he had one of his coordinators or assistants or somebody up in the box because like they've always got that box up in like the suites area where the, so the some of the coaching staff sits. Somebody was in his ear telling him something or talking to him about, and he just didn't even hear or see him coming. No, I, I agree with you. But still, that's a moment too where Kelsey. Yeah, I I, I know I've heard on social, social or other media. Yeah, that well, you know, it's the emotions of the game. No, I'm sorry. You're not on the field. You're not on the field for a reason. This is a Super Bowl. Like you got to compose yourself. But like I realize in, in everyday life, we all say and do stupid shit that sure. Hopefully, you regret later, and hopefully, when when cooler heads prevail, you go, yeah, you know what? Shouldn't have said that, or I should have come about that a different way. But like, there's a difference between that and and being on the biggest stage of your job and having to conduct yourself a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I will say there is a lot of fault on there. And I will reiterate, as a Patriots fan, when Belichick was coaching that team, he benched players for a lot less. Mm-hmm. Dude fumbled a ball in a game against Indianapolis once, and he sat the th- remaining 
three and a half quarters. Because Kelsey's frustration sums up their first half. Uh-huh. Because San Francisco shut them down. Fred yeah. Warner played out of his mind. Yeah. But once Greenlaw went out, Kansas City started making some noise. Yep. And the one thing that San Francisco was doing well was running the ball. <laughs> Stop me if you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan was running the ball all through the first uh, half. This is where the majority of Christian McCaffrey's yards came up in. Uh-huh. So by the time we get to halftime, it's 10-3. Yep. And this is where things get very interesting. Because when it came out of the second half, San Francisco switched up their offensive philosophy. They went very pass-heavy. Yeah. Now, I don't understand the call. I don't agree with it. Right. Brock Purdy was playing very, very well. Yeah. And I don't fault him for anything in this game, to be honest with you. I think he played exceptionally well. But what I think is there's a lot of pressure for him to air the ball out for reasons, and it's not like Kansas City was shutting down McCaffrey in the third quarter. Right. They just went away from the run for whatever reason. Right. And you have a solid backup in Elijah Mitchell yeah, who can take some pressure off you. Right. So why are we going away from the run? On the flip side, this is where Patrick Mahomes started gaining some confidence. Right. Because he started finding Kelsey open because obviously with Greenlaw out, he started focusing a little more on Isaiah Pacheo and getting some of his other receivers involved. Right. Doing little screen passes here and there. So he started switching up things on the San Francisco defense. They had no recovery for it. Right. And this is where when you give Kansas City, especially Mahomes, time to Mm -hmm. throw, he's going to tear you apart. Yep. But what also really screwed up for the 49ers is why you did not have a QB spy on him. Which they seemingly did for the entire first half. Yes. Because Patrick wasn't exactly running all over the damn place Mm -hmm. in that first half. He was making scrambles and trying to keep stuff alive, but there wasn't any of those super long, you know, 10, 15-yard runs you're accustomed to seeing him doing. Right. So the fact that you let him play his game in the second half is the worst thing you could do. You know, he's he's like Brady in in a way where he if you let him get in a rhythm— he is going to carve you apart like he's the best chef on the planet. Mm-hmm. You have to knock him off his game, put him on his back heel a little bit, rattle him, and then just keep the keep the gas pedal to the floor mm-hmm. and score. And, and and that's one issue, you know, for as good as San Francisco held him in the first half, they just didn't do. Like, yeah, okay, it was 10-3 to 3 at halftime. It needed to be way more. Because, oh, yeah. because what's the one thing you've heard? With San Francisco all year, oh, it's the race to 30. Who can get to 30? Because mm-hmm. if can't, if San Francisco puts up 30, it's over. San Francisco didn't put up 30. Right. They only put up the 22. Well, at this point, too, Brock Purdy was getting a lot of pressure from a Steve Spagnuolo-led defense. Yeah, Spag, Spags remembered. Oh, right, I'm a great defensive coordinator. Yeah, he decided to make switch-ups, yeah. which the 49ers did not react to. So when you have your quarterback try and do whatever he can to get rid of the ball right. instead of just handing it off, and maybe Purdy should have, in hindsight, uh-huh. should have called more audibles. We can have that debate all day. Sure. But what we had here is the Niners really gave this game away in that second half. They gave up 10 unanswered points in the third quarter, and then San Francisco could only get field goals in that fourth. Right. 
And then especially when it was late, this is where Patrick Mahomes started tearing everybody apart. Uh-huh. And what happens when it's late? He looks for one receiver. Travis Kelsey. Why, oh why, did San Francisco let him get as open as they did? Everyone knew he was going to go to Kelsey. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the biggest secret in the world. It's like when Brady and Gronkowski were together, especially in their New England days. You know, the Tampa Bay days, Yeah, there was a, there was a host of other folks he would have gone to. But especially in the New England days, it was pretty goddamn obvious who he was going to go to. It was, you know, 75% chance it was Gronkowski. Sure. And then 25% Julian Edelman. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not a mystery. It's not a secret. You don't need to play, you know, Madden on rookie mode to figure this out. So how you couldn't figure this out or come up with a game plan for it is beyond me. It makes no sense. No. And that's where the problem was evident, especially in that fourth quarter. Purdy did all he could. But when you stop running the ball with McCaffrey. Which I was trying to dig up stats and see the splits between halves for this game. Mm-hmm. Can't get that specific, but I can get for the season. Uh, and this is courtesy of the folks over at CBSSports.com. This is seemingly might be a Shanahan thing because this is for the entire season. Uh, so in the first half this season, rushing, McCaffrey had 155 attempts, 884 yards, averaged 5.7 yards a carry, uh, had 11 touchdowns and 55 first downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the second half, he had 117 attempts, 575 yards, 4.9 uh, average yards, three touchdowns, and 28 rushing first downs. And the same continues for receiving. Uh, first half for receiving, it was 39 receptions on 285 yards, uh, average 7.3 yards a catch, and four touchdowns. Uh, for the second half, it was 28 receptions for 279 yards passing, so 10 yards a catch, uh, and then three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. This is seemingly like maybe it's not just a Shanahan goof because, you know, have a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you know, shame on me. You know, maybe it's not just a goof or a fluke. Maybe this is just the way Shanahan plays. Because, like, if, if if it's one thing, if it happens in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and then it happens here, where it's like, how the hell do you let this happen twice? But, like, looking at the numbers here for McCaffrey, because this is for the season. Mm-hmm. This isn't for a specific game or just the Super Bowl. This is for, and I'm going to scroll up and show you, this is for the 2023-2024 season. Mm-hmm. This is for this season. Yeah. Maybe it's just the way his offense is built, which to which I say, why the fuck would you go away from what is working? Exactly. That's the biggest question mark I have for this entire game. Remember the stat line Randy Moss had on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. against the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah. It's it's like seeing that and going, okay, Randy, you're good. You can take the rest of the game off. We're not going to throw to you anymore. Like, no, dude, that's the hot hand. Yeah. Keep going there. Well, when you have McCaffrey on your team who's killing them yeah. with his runs. He's moving the chains. He's moving the ball forward. Yeah. Why are you sitting there trying to turn this into a shootout? Especially when you look at the rest. So as I mentioned, 22 carries from him. You weren't going to anyone else. Right. You know, you had 31 total carries for that team. 22 of them were McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. Take out McCaffrey's 22. Three from Purdy. Two from Elijah Mitchell. Three from Debo. And uh, one from Kyle uh, Juszczyk. Yeah. Like. You clearly, he was the priority. Clearly, he was plan A. Mm-hmm. So why the fuck did you switch to plan B? 
it makes no sense. And that's what caught him in the end. Yeah. Because when you start giving Kansas City time on the clock, and that's what they did. Yeah. It's like Peyton Manning. Don't leave any time left. Mm-hmm. Because when you let them take the lead in the fourth or th- end of the third quarter, yep. that's when things got really interesting. Uh-huh. And the fact that you could only kick field goals for points, right? that hurts your team. And then let alone when it's the end of the fourth quarter, yep. Mahomes is driving, yep. even though I think, in my opinion, there was some kind of questionable. The uh, refs were swallowing their whistle. Yeah, a, a there, lot. there's a lot of questionable stuff, I will say. So I'll pull out the team stats and give the. No, this is only going to be accepted penalties. This ain't going to be declined penalties. Right. Uh, there were 12 total penalties for the accepted penalties for this game. Yeah, I just think that there was a lot of questionable stuff, especially late. Yeah, no, but, I agree. But both teams got it, but it's kind of seemed like they're, they're, that final drive was like, wait a second. Yeah. But this is also, like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. Because the referees don't want to call a whistle that late. You want to let it yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is a situation, too. They drove right down the field. Yeah. Kelsey had the biggest gain of the of his night. Yeah, in that final minute. Yeah, his longest was twenty two, which I'm pretty sure was in that final drive. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. The last pass he did right before they got to the end zone. Yeah, it was perfectly set up for them to score. Yeah, and with time running out, they tried one more attempt to Kelsey. Even though I understand now why Rasheed Rice was mad. Yeah, he was wide open in yeah. the center of the they, end zone. They showed the replay dead center of the end zone. Nobody within five yards of him. Mm-hmm. But I think Mahomes wanted to get that highlight reel. Oh yeah, yeah. Because obviously, who's in attendance? And, yeah. You know. Well, and it could have been a case of like that was his first read. He felt something coming, and whether or not something was coming is up for debate. And he just had, had to get rid of it. But like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm leaning towards he wanted to give Kelsey the highlight. Oh yeah, absolutely. Everything everybody was waiting for with their cameras out for it. I think if he scored that touchdown, it would have been the biggest thing you would have saw from that game. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that'd, that'd be up there with the fucking David Tyree catch. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So they had to settle for three there, which wound up tying the game 19 to 19. Yep. Now, oh boy, this is where I'm going to say the excuses being made by the 49ers are unacceptable here. This is the first time in the Super Bowl era that we've had what we'll just call the Josh Allen overtime rules. Uh huh. And, Pad, what are those rules? Uh, that it's not the whoever gets the coin toss, if they score first, game is over. If, unless, now the thing we got to note is unless it's a defensive score. So yeah. a pick six or a uh, safety, safety that, or like a fumble recovery or something like that, then it's, then it's over. But anything offensively scored, uh, so field goal, touchdown with like running back, wide receiver, quarterback, whatever, the other team gets an opportunity to answer back. If if it's so like if the first team gets it, it's a touchdown. Other team gets it, touchdown. Hey, Mulligan, let's do this all over again. Mm-hmm. So and then so then we got there. Yes, and San Francisco won the coin toss. They elected to receive. Now, ordinarily, this is fine. In fact, I don't have a problem with them doing it if I had faith in my defense. But in this situation. They were dominated in that entire second half. And the score might not reflect it per se. Uh-huh. But well, let me rephrase it. They I think it does because it's sixteen to nine for total points in that second half. Yep. The fact that momentum had swung in Kansas City's way, if you're gonna get that first possession, you need to score a touchdown. Right. You can't settle for three. And especially too, when they had a fourth down and they decided not to go for it. Yeah. That was the backbreaker right there. There was a lot of stuff just in that. Like, I know we said it especially, like, in just in that final, like, 
five minutes that we were just sitting there going, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. Like, it just didn't make any sense. And I realize I'm no football savant, and I'm not a guy who, like, can go play mad and see the defense and make adjustments and audibles on the fly. But, like, even I'm sitting there watching these guys, having watched football, and I'm going, what the fuck? Are, like, it just didn't make sense at all. They look scared. Yeah, that certainly was part of it. Sorry, my opinion. They look scared. They look panicked. Yeah. They did not feel comfortable with what was going on. Definitely deer in the headlights. Well, the situation is you're in the biggest game of the year. You elected to receive because you didn't know the rules allegedly. Well, that, no, there ain't no allegedly about it. I got a quote here. Uh, this is from an article on CNN.com. Uh, where partway through the article, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is partway into the article. It says, I'll quote, although San Francisco coach Kyle Shanahan had uh, said he had discussed a possible overtime coin toss scenario before Super Bowl 58 with his analytics team, a number of 49ers players have admitted that, that they weren't aware that overtime rules had been changed for playoff games. Previously, the team who had the first possession of overtime could win with a touchdown on the opening drive. However, the new rule states that both teams are guaranteed at least one possession. Quote, you know what? I didn't even realize the playoff rules were different in overtime. 49ers fullback Kyle uh, Juszczyk told reporters, I assume you just want the ball to score a touchdown and win. I guess that's not the case. I don't totally know the strategy there. We hadn't talked about it. No. Close quote. Mm, And that's not a good sign. Yeah. So the fact that your coaching staff did not inform at the coin toss, like, this is what we should do. And then and some of them didn't find out, because I'm reading a little further down in the article, some of them didn't find out until the moment of. The article goes on. San Francisco defensive lineman Eric Armstead admitted that he didn't know about the postseason overtime rules until they put them on the big screen at Allegiant Stadium. Quote, they put it on the scoreboard and everyone was like, oh, even if you score, they st- they get a chance still. Armstead told reporters per ESPN, close quote. Yeah. Then And then on the flip side of this, so this story comes out and then there's stories coming out about how Kansas City pre- prepped for this and they were practicing this during the week. Well, that's the whole thing. Kansas City understands the assignment. Yep. That's why, listen, as much as I don't really personally like them, I have to give the devils their due. Uh, Chief Safety, again, article, uh, Chief Safety Justin Reed said, quote, we've talked about it all year. We talked about it in training camp, about how the rules were different in regular season versus the playoffs. Every week of the playoffs, we talked about the overtime rule, close quote. Mm-hmm. Because they're that professional about making sure they're in the right position to win. And they took full advantage of a 49er team that just did not look comfortable. And and clearly didn't prep as much. Mm-hmm. No, the Niners did not look at, at all yeah. ready for overtime. Yeah. And I think that maybe they were stunned the Chiefs came back. Could be. Yeah. But the fact that you let them go right down the field. Yep. And they ate up time on that clock, too. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, they did. Like, that was the smartest thing that Patrick Mahomes did during that drive. Right. They were very smart and methodical about what they were doing. They, they've been there before. But they, the, they know what to do. But the biggest problem I had is that defense let him run. And he got a big gain late, and that really shifted momentum. Right. Going right into where they got down to, you know, within inside the 10 yard line. Right. And that's where he found Hardman in the end zone. And hard, God bless his heart. Hardman blacked out. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Mahomes is on record in interviews after that where, like, he went to go celebrate with Hardman. Hardman's like, what? What happened? And he's like, dude, you just caught the game when he touched it on a Super Bowl. I did? Yeah. He's like, I'll be honest, I blacked out. Well, this is the one thing. It's like when you have that 
that moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has to feel like it's time standing still. Yeah. And sure enough, this is how the game ends. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. Yeah. But Kansas City wins. Yeah. Very, very interestingly. Much like their rest of their season, skin of their teeth. Yeah. This was not a dominant win. This was not one that. This wasn't a defensive slugfest. Mm hmm. It wasn't a shootout. This is one that every coach that they faced in this playoff run, maybe with the exception of Harbaugh, psyched themselves out too much. No, I think even Harbaugh to the Harbaugh to a degree, to a degree, to but, a degree. Not, but not as badly, not as egregiously. No, I would say his players yeah. did more than he did. It, it's interesting though, just because they went up against you know three teams mm-hmm. that were so good during the regular season. Yeah, and all three of them just and apologies for the phrase, but it's the easiest way I can describe how I'm thinking about this. All three of them shit the bed mm-hmm. where it's just, no, I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, that other team shouldn't have beat them, but like you just look at them on paper and be like, yeah, there's a case for like these guys to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. And all three of them just simultaneously shit the bed. Well, and I'm not sitting here saying there's a there's a conspiracy and the NFL wanted the Chiefs to win. And, and, you know, oh, just because Taylor was there and all the revenue and all of this, all that, like, no, I, I really don't think – it's just odd how that played out. Because I think for there to be a conspiracy and for there, like, the NFL having wanted to win, people can't keep shit anything secret these days. That, that sounds like that would have come out by now. No, I think it's just a matter of there's a lot of stuff that's very coincidental. There's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables that if you want to put that together, that is on you to do. I think this was a situation that the Chiefs got rolling and showed that veteran poise yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. And you had every team that faced them, Miami, who, let's face it, still trying to find their Pretenders. way. Pretenders. Pretenders. It's very true. Buffalo is too hurt. Yeah. And too many injuries caught them. Can't lose that many uh, starters. Mm-hmm. And then Baltimore played the worst game possible. That's At the worst possible time. That's the one that still baffles me to this day. Of how badly they played. That one's going to hang with Baltimore for a while. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Players and fans. And this one, too, with the 49ers. Yeah, oh, yeah. This has got to stink for Niners fans. Niners had this game locked up. No, this was this. We, we, even we were saying going into halftime, you know, San Francisco scores one more. This is, this is over. And and, and, the, and then they didn't until the fourth quarter. Well, that's the whole point that they wound up going away from what was working. And this Again, is Shanahan. Thanks. But this is where somebody needs to pipe up and be like, hey, yeah, what are we doing here? You need, we, you need we, that veteran presence. Yeah. You need somebody to go in there and say, listen, the goal here is to keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. Uh-huh. Run we, that play clock down to one. Exactly. You need to start running the ball. Yeah. Because if you let him get back in and let him get in a rhythm, he's going to tear you apart. And at worst, especially when you get late in that fourth quarter, if you're still running the ball, you might not run the clock down as much, but Kansas City still would have burnt their timeouts mm-hmm. and would have had nothing left. There's ways that they could have done this a lot better, and I think yeah. that that's where this team has to figure it out yeah. in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Because the 49ers are built to win now. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they haven't learned how to close out. They struggled in the playoffs against yep. two teams that are very, very new to the playoffs Yeah, in Green Bay and Detroit, who are not the greatest of teams per se. No. But the 49ers did not look confident against them. And then we, what we say, if they struggle against Jordan Love and Jared Goff, what are they going to do against Patrick Mahomes? Exactly. They gave him time. 
And that's the worst thing you can do with all the great quarterbacks. Yeah. They, they know how to work a clock. That's what Mahomes did. Uh-huh. Mahomes has been here Lord knows how many times. He is seasoned enough that he knows what to do. Well, I mean, now. To me, he's not as surgical as a Peyton Manning. But still, when it comes to I've only got X amount of time, he knows where to make the throw and where to place the ball to put his team in a position to win. Mm-hmm. And the situation is if you can hit him and you can get a lot of points on him, the Raiders did this very, very easily this uh-huh. year. Uh-huh. Blueprints there. Mm-hmm. You can defeat the Chiefs. They're not unbeatable. The Raiders did it twice. Mm-hmm. And teams did not pick up on the blueprint. So that's on them to do. I thought the 49ers were going to wind up doing this, but I just had a feeling that they were going to psych themselves out for some reason, and sure enough, they did. And now we go into an off season. The word dynasty is getting thrown around with the Chiefs. Yeah. I know you don't like hearing that, Pad. Eh, well, I think in terms of the strictest definition of, you know, three Super Bowl wins in four years, mm-hmm. which that's the criteria the Patriots, you know, got when they were dynasty. You know, I think you have to give it to them. Now, if you want to sit there and I'm not going to sit here and say they're the greatest dynasty. If you want to sit there and rank dynasties, that's a whole other discussion. Right. You know, for another day. And you and you ask 100 people rank, you know, the five greatest NFL dynasties, you're going to get 100 different answers. Mm-hmm. But in terms of are they a dynasty to me? Yeah. You know, and I'm just, you know, because anything further and you're just being nitpicky, you know, but in the strict because that's what the Patriots that's the, that's the criteria they had to meet, and that's the criteria that got put on them. You know, three Super Bowls in four years. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what they did. That's what the Chiefs did. And and so, like I said, anything, you're, you're being nitpicky. So, if we're, like I said, if we're just looking at it in black and white, yes. It's a great question. But here's here's the one thing that I heard after the Chiefs won this game that they already started talking three-peat. Pat, Pat Travis did, yeah. Boy, I, that target just got bigger. I don't see that happening. I, I don't either. I think, for one, their division is going to be a oh, lot tougher. That division is going to be rough. Antonio Pierce being locked up as the Vegas head coach yep. helps. Tom Coughlin is helping him put together his coaching staff. <laughs> oh, Christ. That speaks volumes. Jim Harbaugh. Uh-huh. New head coach of the Chargers. Loves him some uh, Justin Herbert, apparently. Well, he's, they're a team that could use a coach like Harbaugh. Yeah tremendously so yeah. they're going to be a lot better next year yeah denver is let's ride denver denver could be interesting you know whether they go out and get somebody in the draft or they decide to stick with russell that, that could be interesting oh yeah but that's just their division alone oh yeah and then you get to the rest of the division the texans who clearly overachieved this year mm-hmm. only get better from there uh and you've got the baltimore ravens who have got the world's biggest chip on their shoulder that are not named the 49ers mm-hmm. Bengals are going to have burrow back right cleveland's going to do what cleveland does and scrap and fight pittsburgh could be interesting i'm hearing rumblings that uh well they obviously let the maserati go go back so, to buffalo please <laughs> uh i'm hearing rumors and i'm hearing talk they may go after a certain quarterback in chicago well, that'll be interesting around draft time. Yeah. And it could help. I mean, if he if Fields is not that bad of a quarterback. Right. He just needs a better system with weapons um, around him. But then you've got, you know, Buffalo, who's obviously going to be there. Miami, who's going to be there. The Jets, you can't really count the Jets out. you got Aaron Rodgers coming back, and what are you going to get out of him? And that's before you get to the rest of the NFC. Yeah. I mean, there is so much against the Chiefs to three-peat. I don't think they're going to do it next year. I don't think so either. I think, especially with Chris Jones, their big defensive star, going to be a free agent. If they don't lock him up, 
they're going to be in having a lot of problems next year. And for the record, no NFL team has ever won three consecutive championships in the Super Bowl era. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to do. So that being said, Kansas City is celebrating their win. Yeah. But the best thing about this, we're all undefeated yet again. This is true. And now we can start focusing on the offseason. Free agency will be ramping up around Does first week mean of Mel March. Mel Kuyper is going to come out of his hole? God damn it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, it's NFL draft time in April. We'll, yeah. be, we'll be discussing that. I am, for those who don't know, I am not a Mel Kuyper fan. Oh, it's very well known <laughs> if you listen to the show long enough. Yeah, I mean, but this is where we can really start game planning for next season. Yeah. And, I mean, as a whole, this NFL season, very puzzling. Wild. Wild. Yeah. Wild and puzzling, but... Obviously, is still the biggest sport in America is America's True Pastime. And where we go next season is going to be anybody's guess. The logo is out for the next year's Super Bowl, including the colors. So start your speculation now. Yeah, who's going to be holding up the Lombardi in New Orleans next year? In the meantime, though, here's something on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the Super Bowl? And what is your thoughts about Kansas City? Now, are they in that dynasty category? How is your team looking to knock them off the throne? Let's have that discussion, shall we? But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod and check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And oh boy, it was a weekend for the WWE. Yeah, it was. There was a lot of stories breaking down. Obviously, there was meltdowns. There was social media hashtags. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was a weekend, to say the least. <laughs> For the second weekend in a row. Let's start breaking it out, Pat. Oh, Christ. So, first of all, we had the highly anticipated, since we last recorded, we had the highly anticipated uh, WrestleMania 40 kickoff press conference uh, that took place from Vegas, which, of course, why was the press conference in Vegas if the Super Bowl's in Philly? Hmm. Because every fucking media reporter and sports reporter on the planet was in Vegas. It's just simplicity. Yeah. Uh, but we had the folks there, which I don't know what I expected. The The event itself was okay. I was expecting maybe since you call it a press conference that there'd be maybe a few Q&As. Do like the uh, UFC used to do. I don't know if they still do. We're like... You'd have some reporters ask some questions, but then like the fans could get up and ask a question. Like like if you've ever been to a Comic Con, yeah, you know you go to a panel, you can ask the the panelists uh, questions. It wasn't really that. It was kind of like, hey, we're just going to stand here and try and sell the pay per view, which eh, I get. But then we came to the end of the night, and uh, uh, well, obviously the moment we got to talk about before that was when uh, Rhea Ripley came out and was really selling herself on on WrestleMania and all she's going to do to win at WrestleMania. 
And then Becky Lynch came out and uh, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, said, uh, Mommy's going to learn what it's like to be on bottom. Yeah. Which I went, yo, hey, okay. Welcome to the, en- and the Endeavor era, folks. Welcome to streaming behind a paywall. Yep. Uh, well, except it wasn't. Uh, but then we get to the most anticipated night uh, part, portion of the night, where is what was Cody Rhodes going to do? The internet had been collectively losing its mind for all of six days. No, it was not even a full week because this took place on Thursday. The whole Cody stuff with Roman and The Rock took place on Friday, the week prior. So we're at six days. They wasn't even six full days. I think it was it was close to six full days. Yeah. Uh, so Seth Rollins comes out, says his bet. Roman, Roman comes out. They have a little bit of a face-off. Then Roman says, you know, I'm going to choose who, to, who I want to face. I'm the tribal chief. I make these decisions, and I choose to face The Rock. And The Rock comes out, and I got to admit, a little surprised, make a healthy smattering of cheers and boos. Mm-hmm. Wasn't exactly, I figured it'd be a little more one-sided towards the boos than not, but it wasn't. Well, you have to remember, too, after the events of last week's SmackDown, mm-hmm. there was a lot of internet buzz. We've talked about this on here and on Wrestling Night Live. That the hashtag we want Cody movement was very, very vocal. Mm-hmm. And this was not necessarily the IWC 8%. Right. This was a great portion of wrestling fans. Yep. But this is not, I wouldn't say it's like 50 50. No. But you were going to have a lot of them that were going to be in attendance for this event. And sure enough, when yep. The Rock came out, yep. I think they understand what they were trying to do here. Yeah. And this played right into what the WWE wanted to do because after. We have the the declaration that Roman is going to fight the Rock, and then we get the family the, the tree. Fam, the family tree, which is was impressive as all can be. I, I got to say, I wonder how long that took him to put together. Yeah, that'd take a, a quite a while too. Quite a while, maybe an Ancestry.com membership and a couple phone calls. Mm-hmm. But during this whole ordeal, we have Cody Rhodes come out. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. Not like this. Yeah. Which was a little puzzling compared to what happened on the previous Friday night. It was like he got the go-ahead. He was not happy about it, but then decided, no, no, it's not going down like this. Because how it came off during that press conference, we're not going to say is the finger poke of doom, mm-hmm. but something was a little too fishy there. That's, I think that's what everyone was concluding was the way it sounded like was that Roman was going to come in and basically do, everyone was speculating that like if the match went down at Mania, that's what was going to happen was a finger poke of doom-like moment. Because that, he was just going to roll over and play dead. I'm not going to lie. If that happened in Philly, I would have been crying. Oh. I would have been crying laughing because that city would have tore oh, them apart. Lord, yeah, that would have been something. That would have been wild. Mm-hmm. But no, Cody comes out and says, listen, it's not your choice. You know, it's my choice. And ultimately, you know, felt feeling a little early uh, Valentine's going on. Mm-hmm. I choose you, Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. To which Roman went, fucking say what now? Yeah, Roman was not happy about it and, in fact, decided to take a shot at the late American Dream Dusty Rhodes, mm-hmm. saying how he was irrelevant. and that's, Blasphemy, I say. Oh, completely, which he knew what he was doing. He then got Cody to say something about Rock's family. and mm-hmm. you know, To which Rock, and Rock took exception to. Yeah, so Rock immediately switched to heel mode and said, you talk about his family, you talk about my family. Mm-hmm. And then decided to slap him. Yep. And that was a slap heard round Vegas. Oh yeah. And Seth Rollins came flying out and Seth Rollins with, with a uh bad limb. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting to see how he's playing this because he is much now like Eddie Kingston in AEW. Or even minus, John minus the pizza cutter. Yeah. Well, no, that's Nick Gage. Oh yeah, that's true. Yes. 
Uh, Rollins has really become the heart and soul of the WWE. Mm-hmm. He has been somebody that's been very protective of the brand. Yep. And as we see him take forward, this is a situation that he understood what Rock was trying to do, and he's saying, listen, I don't care who you are. You're not doing that crap here. This is not how this is going to go down. Mm-hmm. So we have the unlikely alliance of Seth freaking Rollins and mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes, and then mm-hmm. we have the Rock with Roman Reigns. Yeah, because they are absolutely partnered together. If you don't believe that, look at the video from after the press conference took place where it's the two of them walking out of the arena or wherever the venue mm-hmm. is. They side were. by side. Side by side. And you can't hear everything that is said between the two of them. But if you listen very closely, and I recommend using headphones, they'll mm-hmm. make you able to hear a little easier or earbuds or whatever. But you do clearly hear Roman say to Rock, or Rock say to Roman, I, now I understand. I see what you were saying. Yeah. So they are clearly in cahoots. Mm-hmm. And this kind of stemmed into the weekend as well mm-hmm. with SmackDown. And then yep. obviously we get to Monday and Cody decides to address the audience then. Mm-hmm. And him and Seth Rollins have a great promo. Yeah, they do. Which Seth basically declares his allegiance. Yeah. Like he's in Game of Thrones. Hey, if you if if anybody you uh, you need to, anybody to have your back, I'll have your back. Mm-hmm. And says, I'll be your shield. Yeah, which got a big pop from the crowd. So with that promo, it more or less solidifies we are going to get a tag match. In some capacity. In some capacity yeah. with Cody and Seth versus Rock and Roman. Uh-huh. Banking night one of WrestleMania. Probably, yeah. Which I think this plays very well. Mm-hmm. The Rock does not need to do a 35-minute match. Well, and we also saw him. I'm not shitting on the guy, but like we saw from what happened with his brief interaction with Jinder Mahal. Mm-hmm. He was winded. Yeah. You know, he hasn't wrestled. Uh, he's he's 10 years old. His last match was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. He hasn't wrestled a full match. I'm not counting that whole thing with, with Eric Rowan at 32. Right. Because that, that wasn't a match, even though they like to say it was. But he hasn't wrestled a full-length Roman-style match where it's like 30 minutes mm-hmm. in 10-plus years. Yeah. You know, he's t- so he's 10 years older. He hasn't wrestled in 10 years. It don't. Get, it's like a lot of other sports. It doesn't get easier the older you get. It just gets that much harder. Mm-hmm. So having him there for night one against Roman or with Roman against Cody and Seth, it's all you need, all you need to do. Mm, absolutely. And it, it sells itself. Yeah. The only question that you have now with this is if they go with this plan, and I fully think they do. Yeah. What happens to the World Heavyweight Championship? And we knew going in that the after Cody declared, yeah, the winner of the Elimination Chamber in Perth, Australia, yep, is going to be facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. You could put that night too. You could put that night too, or or if you're if you don't have the match for whatever reason. You could have Damian Priest cash in on him because I know it's it's been confirmed, quote unquote, now that because Seth isn't medically cleared, you know, Damian Priest can't cash in on him right now, and obviously he ain't going to cash in on Roman. But what, you could have a scenario where if if Rollins only does one match that weekend, and it's the tag match, you could have Priest wait till the end of the match when everyone's beaten to hell, and because I I'm gonna guess Cody and and. Seth are going to be standing tall in the ring after the match is said and done with. Mm-hmm. And we, and then have Judgment Day's music hit, have Dom, Finn, JD, Rhea, and whoever else come out there and just beat the holy hell out of the two of them. It's going to be five on two or whatever the math works out to be. And then have Priest cash in on Seth because, hey, I can't cash out on you before, but I sure as shit can now because you wrestled the match and you're, that means you're cleared. 
Somebody threw a crazy theory online, and I apologize. I don't remember who exactly it was. Mm-hmm. If I find the tweet, I'll, I'll retweet it. Somebody threw out the idea that they're going to book R-Truth versus Damian Priest for Mania. What if that's the opener of night two, mm. and Damian cashes in the night before, and mm. R-Truth becomes the heavyweight champion <laughs> to be, start off Mania? That'd be incredible. Yeah, I love that idea. That'd be awesome. I mean, then you could have the the next night he could drop it to Drew McIntyre and then yeah. go from there and do something else. Yeah. Or going through. I mean, depending on what you want to do. But I think the, that is officially going to happen now. I think Seth will be done, and then he won't be able to compete in the next day. Well, so I, th- I think what's going to happen is um, they're going to have the match night one. It'll main event night one of, of Mania because Rock and Roman teaming up ain't going anywhere else on that card but last. Mm-hmm. And then some point, probably the open of night two, will be Seth versus, I'm going to guess, Drew McIntyre. Because, sorry, the way Drew's been in the ring and on social media the last couple weeks, ain't nobody coming near that guy. Mm -hmm. Drew's going to beat Seth, going to get his WrestleMania moment in front of the fans for all of, like, two minutes. Yeah. And then Priest is going to cash in, beat him for the belt, and that'll give Drew further reason to be pissed off as all fuck because, hey, I had my WrestleMania moment and you took it away from me. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to yeah. do. So yeah. I'd, I'd be quite all right with that. Yeah, no, I would too. So that being said, we did start getting some Eliminator change, Chamber uh, matches. Yes, we do. Uh, so uh, the card is taking place this upcom- uh, upcoming Saturday, specifically February 24th. So not this Saturday, but the Saturday after. Super fucking early start time. Unless you're on the West Coast, just stay up. Yeah. Uh, but it starts at like 5 a.m. I think here in the, in the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, but it's from Perth, Australia. And some of the matches we know of at this present time uh, is in a tag team match for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. You have the champions in Finn Balor and Damian Priest of the Judgment Day defending their belts against British Strong Style, that being Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Hmm. Should be a great match. It should be. Uh, uh, what is it? British Strong Style defeating the likes of, uh, what was it? Pretty Deadly and also Latino World Order. Legato Del Fantasma was involved as well. They beat DIY mm-hmm. in the finals uh, to get here. So that, that should certainly be interesting. Uh, you've got a singles match for the Women's World Championship with Rhea Ripley taking on Nia Jax. This one they built very, very nicely. So I'm okay yes. with this. Because uh, yes. Rhea gets to wrestle in front of her home country. Yes. And obviously the pop will be amazing. And so she's not going to drop the belt there. And it gets Nia out of the title picture for right now. Yeah. No, Nia, I got to say, doing a little bit better on the mic. Very much better. This time yeah. around, somebody's been working yeah. with her and it's, been, and it's showing. Uh, then you've got the two uh, Elimination Chamber matches, the first of which is the women's. Uh, the, con- the participants we have confirmed as of this recording are Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan. There are still three to be determined, which will be de- uh, determined be by the winners of Tiffany Stratton taking on Shotzi, uh, and then Naomi taking on Zelina Vega. That'll be on this Friday's episode of SmackDown. Uh, while the sixth and final spot will be determined in a battle royal battle royal on the February nineteenth episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, let's see. So Stratton, I'm going to say, is, is going to win that one. Yeah, especially since, what was it, over the weekend, Shotzi got a uh, NXT Women's Championship opportunity, a, a, like a house show for NXT or something like that. So it's it's probably going to be Tiffany. Tiffany makes the most sense. Yeah. Naomi and Zelina, that's an interesting one. I'm going to say Naomi. I could see that going either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Naomi is back on the roster, so I think it would make sense to have her go over. But 
Zelina does really well in, in scramble matches like she this. She does. So then you got the last spots. Winner of a battle royal. Uh, I think all signs point to Jade Cargo. I would agree. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, as safe a lock as we can do. Yes. Uh, and then you've got the men's uh, elimination chamber match, which the participants we have confirmed as of this recording are Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, and L. A. Night. Yeah. Uh, with two more to be determined, and those spots will be determined uh, by Dirty Dominic Mysterio taking on Kevin Owens and Logan Paul taking on The Miz. That will be on this Friday's episode of SmackDown. Logan Paul wins that easy. Yep. Brass knocks and all. Yep. He'll cheat to get it, but he'll get it. And then I like Kevin Owens getting in on this because he doesn't need to win mm-hmm. to have a moment. And I think what's eventually going to happen is L.A. Knight and Logan Paul take each other out, mm. setting up for their match at Mania. That makes sense. And then it's a question of who's left standing after that. I'd love to see Bobby Lashley and, and Drew be the final two. Yeah. But I think all signs point to Drew McIntyre getting this one. Yeah, Drew McIntyre. Nothing against Randy, Bobby, L.A., or any of the other potential participants. Nobody's coming near Drew McIntyre. In the ring, on the mic, and on social media the last couple weeks. Right. Dude is just on a whole different level. Mm-hmm. And I think WWE knows that, so they'll mm-hmm. definitely be on top of that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean, there's been, like, it's been pretty much all dominated by... WrestleMania. WrestleMania, which, I mean, this time of year, it does do that. Yeah, yeah. Should be getting uh, Hall of Fame announcements relatively soon. Starting to roll in after Chamber. Ah, okay. I, I think they okay. don't want to upstage the event, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. So you'll start hearing more about that going in, because after Chamber happens... We are really going to have a temp in the room about where WrestleMania is going to be shaping up. Yeah, I know some people really want to see Batista get in this year, which I would say under normal circumstances, yes. But with the backlog of films being filmed because of the SAG strike and the Writers Guild strike, probably not. I would say this. Probably going to be too busy. I don't think he gets in this year. I think he goes next year to Vegas. Mm, They have not officially announced yet, but I I fully think they're going there next year. And I think it's close enough to Hollywood. He could sneak out. And, yeah, and, he, could, he could spare a day. Right. I really don't know who they're going to do this year. That's going to be the ultimate X yeah. factor. Yeah. Um, well, you got to figure Bray probably. Yeah, I think Bray would get one, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, other than... than it's the, hard to say because we're kind of hitting that point where it's like there aren't any easy, like, surefire. Oh, yeah, that person. Like, kind of all those have gone in at this point. Right. You have to kind of really think about who's yeah, the, the big di- superstars out there. Dig deep into the lexicon. Well, I mean, Batista has been one that's been yeah. for eons. Uh, Rock as well, you mm-hmm. know, is, isn't in there. Biggest concern and biggest issue with getting him in there is the schedule, which, hey, if he's working Mania weekend, uh, he's, he's available. Yeah. This is one we'll see it get shaped up. I think the late Bray Wyatt will get inducted, though. Yeah, you have to figure. Yeah, I think that that one, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. After that, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah. But this is the beauty of WrestleMania season, and there's a lot of storylines stemming into Elimination Chamber time. You never know who's going to be swinging through the WWE at this moment and really building up for a memorable two nights of wrestling in Philadelphia in April. That being said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Cody versus Roman? Are you excited? Or are you not? And what about the thought of a tag team main event? for WrestleMania between Seth and Cody and Rock and Roman. And if you even want more pro wrestling talk, make sure to drop that subscribe on Nerd Initiative YouTube and streaming services for Wrestling Night Live coming to you every Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
where we talk AEW, WWE, New Japan, GCW, and so much more. So definitely hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? I uh, got just two things to talk about. First, which is obviously the local minute and looking at the Federal Prospects Hockey League and, and standings and specifically the Empire Division. Uh, another week, Binghamton. Still in first place. Let's go. Uh, through 35 games played, they have a record of 23 wins in regulation, five losses, six losses in either overtime or shootout, no overtime wins, and one shootout win. Uh, they have a grand total of 77 points, putting them ahead of Motor City in second place, who has 60, Danbury in third place, who has 48, and Elmira in fourth, who has 37. And rounding out the uh, division is Watertown in fifth with 36 points. Looking at their schedule from this past week, they had three games, uh, all of them on the road. They won their game on Friday, February 9th against the Motor City Rockers by the final score of 7-5. to Came back on Saturday and lost to those same Motor City Rockers by the final score of 3-1. to And then lost on Sunday by the final score of 6-3 to to the Elmira River Sharks. Uh, got a game actually this upcoming Wednesday, a little bit of uh, Valentine's Day on the road, though, playing the Elmira River Sharks. Uh, then they've got a game Friday, and then they're uh, actually off the remainder of this week. They do not play again until uh, Friday, February 23rd, which will be a home game. Uh, so more, for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And we got to talk a little bit of baseball because we have an update to something we brought to your attention a couple weeks ago, and very happily, I might add, mm-hmm. reading from an article on ESPN.com. Uh, The headline says, police make arrest in theft of destruction of Jackie Robinson statue. Uh, The article reads, quote, the Wichita Police Department on Tuesday said an arrest has been made nearly three weeks after a Jackie Robinson statue was stolen from a park and subsequently found dismantled days later. Uh, Ricky Alderte, 45, is charged with the felony theft value over $25,000, aggravated criminal damage to property, identity theft and making false information. The statue, which police said was valued at $75,000, was stolen from McAdams Park, the home of League 42, a youth baseball league for about 600 children that commissioned and erected the statue in 2021. Quote, the investigation has not revealed any evidence indicating that this was a hate-motivated crime. Aaron Moses of the Wichita Police Department said, we believed this theft was motivated by the financial gain of scrapping common metal, close quote. Bob Lutz, the executive director of the nonprofit League 42 Foundation, said, quote, We're feeling good that someone is being held responsible, and I do believe that all individuals involved will be apprehended, close quote. The statue was cut at its ankles, leaving only bronze replicas of Jackie Robinson's cleats behind on an otherwise barren pedestal. Tony Workman, general manager of Art Castings of Colorado, which made the original work into the bronze statue, told ESPN that the Robinson statue was 95% copper. Uh, Moses also said that police remain committed to identifying all individuals in the crime. Quote, we know from the surveillance video released shortly after the statue was reported missing on January 5th that there were at least three individuals there when the statue was taken, Moses said. And we know it was taken somewhere where other individuals were present. Close quote. Uh, on January 28th, police recovered a vehicle that believed that it believed to be connected to the case at an apartment complex in Wichita. 
Two days after that, fire crews found burned remnants of the statue while responding to a trash can fire at another park about seven miles away. Donations poured in, approaching $300,000, Lutz said. Uh, Though the artist has died, the original mold of the statue exists and will be used by Art Castings of Colorado to rebuild a new one. Uh, In a coordinated effort among its clubs, Major League Baseball will pay for it after several teams and individuals throughout the sport had wanted to help. Lutz said he's expecting the new statue to be completed by the middle of of the summer, close quote. Well, I'm glad they caught the guys that did this. One of them, anyway. Well, one of them, but, you know, seriously. And yeah. fuck those guys. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I hope they throw the book at them and then some. Yes. And it's awesome to see they're going to get a new statue up yeah. by summertime. So. And kudos to the teams in Major League Baseball for uh, getting together and donating money for this. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good to Classy see. move. It's good to see them, you know, turn this horrible, horrible situation. horrendous crime into you know something positive with them all coming together to, to put up a new statue ASAP. Mm-hmm. So no, I mean that's it's turning a, a negative into a positive. So uh, I'm happy to see that, but I'm serious. I hope they throw as many charges as they can yes, against that. I do too. Every individual connected to that case. Uh, on my end, uh, very quickly, I did the UFC 298 preview on Patreon this hey. week. So if you're looking for the official preview for that, definitely head on over, sign up, one tier, $2 a month. You get the episode plus bonus content. Boom, it's right there, and it's so easy. Uh, UFC 300 is making some news as we are recording. A couple of months away. Uh, I think we're just under, what is it, February, March, April, two months away. Yeah, and the... Decision about a main event is still now TBD. Really TBD to say the least. Hamzav Chemaev was rumored to be getting a title shot against Leon Edwards, but it has just been announced today that he will not be fighting on the card because it's just days after Ramadan is completed. Oh, that makes sense. So he said he is willing uh, to quote the ESPN article. Quote, I will fight everybody. Chemaev told MMA Uncensored. Quote, Leon Edwards, Driscus Duplesis, anyone, but not during Ramadan. Uh-huh. I think Ramadan is during UFC 300. Uh, maybe yeah. in Saudi Arabia. I want to fight there. Not in Ramadan anymore. Not fighting in Ramadan anymore. End quote. So that makes perfect sense. No, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I'm not sure who exactly they're going to get for 300. John Jones, I know, is lightly rumored. I did not hear any serious talk about this. Mm-hmm. But I know he was connected to that as well. So the UFC is really going to have a tough test about booking UFC 300. Oh, uh, okay. So I looked it up. According to usatoday.com, Ramadan is uh, begins on Monday, March 11th, and continues through Wednesday, April 10th. Uh, UFC 300 takes place April 13th. So that'd be right in the middle of training camp. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So uh, okay, understandable. Right. So I'm not sure where they could go with. I I think if I have to make an educated guess right now. They're going to put Adesanya versus Duplessis on there. Could see that. Maybe see if Connor wants to do something. Connor cannot get. I think they already ruled him out. Oh, okay. I think they already did. What's Cerrone doing these days? Cerrone (laughs) is looking huge. He put on muscle. Like he's, he's, I would say this. Watch out, Seth Rollins. He's coming for your belt. The picture I saw, he's at least 185, if not 205. Damn. He put on muscle. Damn. Like he's, he's doing all right these days. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they could do a lot of things, but I think Connor was already ruled out. John Jones, I heard, was ruled out. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about John is John wants to fight Stipe. He doesn't want to fight yeah. um, anybody else. So it's, it's it's tough to try booking him. 
I think Jesus Christ, I just looked up a photo of Cerrone. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, like I said, uh that boy's on the Randy Orton workout routine. Yeah, he's 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 he might be coming WWE. Like he's, God looking, damn. he's looking huge <laughs> these days. Fuck. But yeah, no, if I have to make an educated guess right now, I'm gonna say Adasanya and, and DDP. Probably. But we'll have to wait and see. I know Dana is not gonna let this card fall through. No. He'll get somebody in there. This could be a complete left field idea too, could like be. of who he can go get. Could be. So that'll be interesting about that. Oh, might even give Bellator a call. Say, hey, can we borrow one of your guys for a fight? You know, it would be interesting. And you get one. You, we borrow one of your guys. You can borrow one of our guys. But typically, the UFC doesn't like doing that. I know. I think in the situation, special circumstances, though, it would have to be like dire situation. Yeah, that's true. And I don't think they're that dire because what they're going to do. And mark my words about this: what you're going to have happen is they're going to stack as many titles as they can on 300. Oh, it's going to be their equivalent of Night of Champions. Right. So you'll have quite a few champions. You'll have some stars on there. And I think right now there's two and a half, and I only say half because the BMF title isn't a full title. Yeah, I don't count that one. So it's two and a half. Yeah. But even Gaethje Holloway would sell. Like right, that, right, That's right. perfectly fine to be the main event. Uh, right. Yeah, so right now, well, right now it's just the one because you've got uh, the women's strawweight championship is on there with Zhang Weili defending against Yan Zhonan. Yeah. Uh, then technically Gaethje Holloway because it's got the BMF belt to it, but yeah, that's a half. And then the other one that I was thinking of is uh, Oliveira versus Armand uh, Sarukin is a, actually a lightweight title eliminator. Right, because the winner gets... Um, yeah. So now there's the only, there's only one. So they got to put at least one more official belt on this. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to go bantamweight or anything lower. No, probably I, not. I just you know well, I think uh, Sean O'Malley's already booked for something too. Could be. I yeah. I, so we'll have to wait and see. But Dana will come up with something. Something crazy will happen. Oh yeah. So sit back and relax. But I, I would say safe money is Adesanya comes back. Yeah. Which I mean, hey, he's, that'll be worth the box office alone. Mm-hmm. NHL. Pad, what team is on a five-game winning streak? Uh, I'm going to guess the New York Rangers. Absolutely. They're turning on as of late, uh, winning their last game by shutout over the Calgary Flames 2 to nothing. Nice. So still sitting pretty on top of the Metropolitan Division, albeit, though, they have Carolina right behind them, six points behind. Oh. So Carolina's coming alive at the right time. Philly is kind of Philly. Uh, I gotta say, I I saw Carolina wore the Hartford Whalers jerseys the other night. Warmed my heart. Yeah, it definitely does. Rangers are back in action on February 15th against the Montreal Canadiens. So that'll be a fun game. And last but not least for the sports talk this weekend, it is NBA All-Star Weekend. Yes. So the game will be going down Sunday, February 18th. The West takes on the East, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TNT for the television game. And it's always, you know, a fun game. Yeah, I think if anybody for the first three quarters, yeah, and then the fourth quarter, it all kind of goes. Mm-hmm. You know, some 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 games are a little more competitive than yeah. the others. Yeah, but it's still fun to watch. I mean, the skills competition is always great, and obviously, we talked about the three point competition previously. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff going on this weekend, but it's good to see the break of the action going on in yeah. the NBA because once we get out of this, it is full throttle to the playoffs. I know you're at least watching the dunk contest on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Jacob Toppin and the Knicks is in it. Well, you know, the dunk competition is falling off the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, well, I I think. I mean, I'm looking at the participants. No shit on any of these guys, but it's Jalen Brown uh, of the Boston Celtics. uh, Jamie Jacquez Jr. of the Miami Heat. Jacob Toppin of the Knicks. And your defending champion, Mac Mac McClung of the uh, Oscala Magic in the uh, G League. 
Right. Which, I mean, <laughs> when, when you don't have the superstars doing it, but then <sighs> let me ask you this question. When you think this this current stat era of the NBA, yeah, who is known for their crazy dunks like Vince Carter, like Not MJ, many. like I mean Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon put on a fucking hell of a show a couple of years ago, right? But like you haven't seen anything like that since, right? So I mean I think it's perfectly all right to let somebody on the bench go yeah. crazy or even the G League. Yeah. Like I say, Mac Mac always shows up for this, so it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And then, obviously, three-point competition we already talked about, Steph Curry's yep. challenge, so that'll be interesting to watch. Steph Curry versus Sabrina. Yep, so that that's going to be my highlight for the skills event this yeah. weekend. Holy and then, fuck. obviously, the game, and then we come back and see, can the Knicks do it? Currently a fourth seed in the Eastern Conference behind Boston, Cleveland, and Milwaukee. And, I mean, last night's game against Houston, very questionable in my opinion. Mm. Late call on Jalen Brunson, I do not agree with. Mm. I, I, I stand by that statement. So, but I don't think it's anything to really take them out of the equation. And then in the Western Conference, a little bit of movement going on. It's getting to be a very close race. Minnesota currently ranked as the number one seed, followed by Oklahoma City and the Clippers, and then your defending champion, Denver Nuggets. So a lot of great NBA action going into the All-Star break. But like we say, once we get out of the break, it is full throttle to the playoffs. And that's always fun to watch. Yes. That being said, for anything and everything that is the OD page, you can find it at odpagepodcast.com. That's it for the sports edition for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the OD page podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Waste of time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me A better way to spend our energy Just look up, talk to me Swiping left and swiping right on people you could know.